my heart, family fun fest. So many times we've been copped and captivated with the, the broader globe. So many times with our church, we've been drawn to outreaches in Chillicothe. And last year we went to did Harvest Home right in Kingston Park and had a pretty good time. It was kind of cold in the first week of October that last year. And some of us were talking and we, we said, we ought to come back and do, this, do something like this in the a, in a, in a summer when it's warm, when people are around. And so about, about a week and a half before I left for Kenya, we really started putting some things together. And my heart with that is this. Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon you, you shall receive power and you'll be witnesses. And you'll be witnesses for me. And he goes through a progression of names and places. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Judea. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. You'll be my witnesses in the uttermost parts of the world. And here's what I think happens at times. We get so caught up with what's out there, we forget what's in our backyard. And about a week and a half ago, I was talking to a pastor named Barry Bennett. He pastors Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. And I know that sounds kind of like really traditional, but it's really not. God has been doing an amazing thing there. When Barry came there, there were six people going to the church. A few months later, they had a dozen people going to the church. They hadn't had an altar call, hadn't had the gospel really preach. And Barry said, I remember the morning God put his thumb on me and said, you're going to give an altar call this morning. And Barry's like, oh boy, what's that going to look like? He said, you're going to preach the gospel. And Barry said, I sat there in front of the congregation. I began to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their eyes got this big, and they didn't know what to do and what was going on and everything. And then all of a sudden, he gives the altar call, and 10 of the 12 people in the congregation that day come flying to the front of the church, give their hearts to Christ. He said, now that church is about busting at the seams. They're trying to figure out that's a child of wall, what they're going to have to do to, to, to make room for people. And he told me, he said, two weeks ago, Aaron, my wife and I are walking around Kingston. Barry's lived in Kingston forever. And Barry's walking around Kingston. He said, and I know most of the families within the, the, the confines of the, of the village of Kingston. He said, we looked, at, we looked at the houses. They go to our church. They go to that church. They don't go to church. They don't go to church. He said, Aaron, for all practical purposes, the village of Kingston is an unchurched village. According to my understanding, everybody I know that lives there, and I think, wow, that's completely crazy and wild. He said, so I think it's a God thing. You're planning on doing this. So Barry and I are meeting for lunch on Tuesday. I'm going to figure out how they're going to play along with us. Dave Titler is a pastor out in Hallsville. Pastor of the church used to be right in front of Bruce and Donna's house. They moved out towards Adelphi. And several months ago, Dave and I were talking around to each other at Sam's Club. And Dave, Dave told me the, the, the United Methodist Church did a, did a demographic study about this area of Ross County to let Dave know what he was contending with and stuff like that. He said, Aaron, within a five-mile radius of our churches, there are 6,000 people. A five-mile radius, 6,000 people. Here's my heart with Family Fun Fest. If we reach a percentage, let's just go small for a minute. If we reach 1% of them, you know what that means? That's 60 new people at this church. If we reach 5% of them, you know what that means? That's 300 new people. That's a whole other church congregation here. If we reach just 10% of them, you know what that means? That's 600 new people. Now we're knocking on the door of 1,000 people who have given their heart to Christ. See, if we just do a small bit, if we just do a little bit, and we reach the people just in the backyard, just in our Jerusalem, things could be crazy. And so you know what? That's, it's a Sunday. We won't be worshiping Jesus inside the confines of a safe place inside of a wall of, of, of a building. We'll be doing our worship to Jesus by ministering to people out in a park somewhere. We won't be meeting here. We're going to be doing community service out and around Kingston. And then at noon, we're going to invite them back to the park. We're going to have inflatable games. And we're going to have pet land there. They're going to be doing the Kingston Fire Department is going to bring a, bring a fire truck. And they're going to let kids play on the fire truck and give a kind of a tour. Possibly Life Air might bring a helicopter and land it there in the park if we can arrange that, maybe. And things are going to be happening, and we're going to be doing crafts with the kids to explain the gospel. We're going to be putting a website together. It's not look churchy at all. Zero zilts, not a, but there's going to be a website we're going to attach to it called FamilyFunFest.com or something like that. People go to the website, and, and, and leading up to the event, all it's going to be is an informational thing. They'll see a picture of inflatable game, come hang out, and the Sunday afternoon that, it, that, that, that we're there, they'll be sitting home with like a, a, a treat bag. They'll have some sort of a, a, a gift thing in it. We'll make sure the kids get the, get the stuff home. You know what I mean? And there'll be that website on, on, a, on a little ball or something like that. 
And they'll be able to go to that website that afternoon, and then they'll find the gospel of Jesus blaring them in the face and the churches that care enough about the community of Kingston that they might be able to get plugged into. And we're going to just join together with maybe Mount Pleasant, maybe another church. Who knows? I don't know how it's going to go. But our worship to Jesus is not going to be something normal. It's going to be extravagant and different than anything else we've ever done. And so I put that out before you because I want you to mark your calendar. I don't want you on vacation. I don't want you camping that weekend. I don't, we're going to need as many people and as many folks say, dude, I'm in on that. I will paint a fence. I will give out a treat bag. I will roast hot dogs. We're going to do fish fry. I'm like, whatever. I'll just help out. I'll, 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 I'll help toss cornhole bags with people. and I'll, Whatever. I don't care. I'll just do something. Let me know what I need to do. There's a sign-up sheet out there. Get in on it. All right? Got a lot of work to do. We need all of your help. Every one of you. Why don't I just start coming to church here? I don't care. I don't really, I really don't. You got an inkling towards the things of God. If you're just trying to figure out where you fit, it would be a nice place to find a place to fit. You know what I mean? Start doing something and just help us get doing what God called us to do. All of you who are part of Church Rampant and are plugged in, you know I'm not going to give you any excuse. This ain't going to happen. All right, so just get ready. I want to encourage you about something else. Um, this is Memorial Day weekend. And first of all, if you look in your bulletin, there's a little flap that had like our core values. And if you open that up, there's, there's a list of like connection groups. Some of them are canceled tonight. So I want to make you aware of that. If, in case you don't know already, you're thinking about going to one or doing whatever. There's, something. there's also a change of one. The Wolf Home Group that normally meets at Patrick and Leah Clevenger's house uh, is being tonight. But the Bear Home Group that usually meets at Keith and Sarah Woods' house is meeting with them tonight. We're going to have like a bonfire, Winnie roast thing. And that's not what's there. And instead of meeting at 6... Bear family, you'll be meeting at 5 at Patrick and Leah's house. If you need directions, call me and Rachel, call Sean and Angie, call Patrick and Leah, call Jim and Belinda. We'll make sure you get there. If you need a place to go hang out, you think a bonfire sounds great, come join us. We'll have a great time, I promise. Okay? So uh, that's, that's the announcement for today. In light of it being Memorial Day, I want you guys to join me. Um, today is a, when we celebrate the fact that people have given their all. Memorial Day was started right after the Civil War, and it wasn't a national holiday at that time. Communities all over the United States recognized the sacrifice many of their men had given for the cause. Some of them in the south, some of them in the north, and they began to have these commemorations recognizing those who had given everything. And then the federal government got on, that's probably a good idea. We should probably, that's a great idea. Wow, this guy's, and then they developed a national holiday, which we commemorate this weekend. Listen, it's not about, it's not about having a barbecue to kick off summer much as I like that. And it's not about just an opportunity for you to get together with your family and stuff like that. Do yourself a favor. Go to some commemoration. Take your children and your grandchildren to a place where they really recognize what they have and why they have it. I know Grandview Cemetery does something. Laurel Hill Cemetery does something at their war memorial. Maybe in Circleville and Pickwick, there's probably an observance somewhere where the AMVETS or the VFW or somebody's doing something saying, hey, remember these guys. And what I want to do is not only remember those guys and thank God for all those over the last couple hundred years who have paid a price that we might be here today worshiping freely and living in a free country, thanking God for them, but also remembering that right now today, all over the globe, we have gentlemen and women from just right here and this congregation, who right now are in Iraq, who right now are in Afghanistan, who right now are stationed here in the States and other places around the world, who very much right now are in harm's way trying to defend these freedoms that we so much say we believe in. And pray for them and say, you know what, God, we appreciate you taking them to do that and putting it in their heart to, 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 to do that for us. But God, we're going to stand with them in a spiritual way and we're going to pray for them. Will you join me in that? Let's stand. Father... On this Memorial Day weekend, Lord Jesus, we take a reprieve from our normal course of action, our normal course of, of, of things, and we do, God, remember. We bring up before you, God, the memorial, God, of the lives of men and women, God, who saw the necessity of defending this land, defending the freedoms, defending the convictions and the beliefs that we hold dear. And, God, they've, set, they've, they've laid their lives down. They have, they have paid the ultimate price, God, to defend what we have. 
Lord Jesus, in that, we thank you, Jesus, because we know we are doubly free as Americans because we live in a free nation, but as Christians, we are free from sin and death and all of the other garbage of life because of your sacrifice. And Jesus, we bless you this morning because of that. And we honor you, God, because you are great and you are powerful and your love is vast. And so, Jesus, we thank you for both you and other people who've laid down their lives for us, Jesus. You're great. Thank you for, by the, by the grace of God, we live here, Lord. We recognize that. No other reason than, than your power and your strength has put us where we are, and we, we love you, and we thank you for that. Lord, today, God, as we think of our young men and, and, and older men and, and women and other people, God, who, who are right now serving in the military, God, this moment, where they be in Iraq, God, where they be in Afghanistan, where they be here stateside or wherever they might be, God, I pray, Jesus, a saturation of your presence would be upon them. I pray, Jesus, your joy and your peace, your power and your strength would be theirs. I pray, God, you would encamp angels all around them. And I pray, God, you do the miraculous before them. Lord, I pray, Jesus, you'd give them insight and power and abilities, God, that will call people to see the light of the glory of God in their lives. I pray this morning they'd feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, God, being drawing them close to yourself, God, and seeing you do great things on their behalf. Lord, we bless you, and we thank you for their families who have sacrificed much to let them go. We thank you, Jesus, for for their willingness. We thank you, God, for their commanders and their leaders, God, who are helping them get where they need to go and do what they need to do. And God, we pray all of them would have wisdom and help and strength directly from your hand, Jesus. God, we still believe this is the land of the free. God, we still believe this is the home of the brave. We pray, God, you would watch over this land. God, take care of us. Watch over us. God, let your grace, God, be upon us always, Lord. God, we bless you, and we thank you, and we honor you, Jesus, for that. It's in your great name that we pray. And everybody say, amen. Amen. You can have a, you've got a hand clap. My wife felt worried I'm going to break my neck. I feel like a nine-year-old or something. Thank you, babe. You're wonderful. I love you. She's, she's the best. Did you do one on him? Huh? Scared me to death. She grabbed my arm, and I thought, what is that? <gasps> Abraham, I just realized you were sitting there with us. There's a Navy man right, right, right there sitting beside his mom. Thank you, brother. Jeffrey's sitting right here. He's an Army guy. Sitting beside his stepdad, who was a Marine dude, I think, at one point in time. We've got all kinds of other guys all over the place who've served our country and served well. And we, we thank God for all of you. Thank you so much. Um, I have no idea where I'm going right now. I do. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I've, I've got a nephew named Samuel. Patrick and Leah's oldest boy. And he has an incredible sense of smell incredible sense of smell and it's not it's not it's not uncommon during the course of a of a, of a, of a just even a small period of time with him where you hear just him go what's that smell what what's that smell and you're like you can't smell nothing he's like oh what's that smell and, and it's like he's like he'll grab stuff and he'll go what's that smell I smell pillows and blankets and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? He's, and he's just like got this, almost like this super sensitive, like almost superpower smeller on the front of him. You know what I mean? What's that smell? He always wrinkles up his nose. You know, the, many of us can relate smells to different eras and times of our lives. One, one, one of the greatest things attached to our memory is a sense of smell. Do you know that? Physiologically speaking, smells will remind you of certain things just like almost like that. Some of you, when I say talk about that, even right now, you can smell grandma's cooking. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, Sunday afternoon after church, walking through the house and hear grandma singing in front of the stove with her apron on. And almost like right now, you can smell it. You can see just almost like you're there. You know what I mean? Some of us, uh, when I said something about smell, you were reminded of the, guy, the other guy that you work next to at the plant. You know, what's that smell? Some of you, you will remind of a special occasion, maybe the night of your engagement, and the, the, the perfume 
your future wife had on or maybe the cologne your future husband had on. And suddenly, even sitting here right now, it's almost like you've drifted back 8, 16, 25, 40 years and you have all of your normal colored hair still and stuff. You can smell it. Oh, and every time, like for me, one of, the, one of the keenest senses I have of smell is the ocean breeze, the sea breeze. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until they develop smell-o-vision. Because like, like there's days I just need an ocean fix, like a beach fix. I lived in Florida for like five years, and you guys know that. And, dude, I could just like, oh, and I want the oil to stay as far away as it can get away from the supposed to go to Florida sometime later in the year, and I think if that stuff is all gnarly and messy, and na- I'm really going to be amped up. God, keep that mess away. Cap that thing off. Do something. You can do anything, Lord. Do that. I could smell. I'll be on the, I'll be on the computer and download that thing. And, oh, yeah. I hear the breeze. Every now and then, I wish I, 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 I there, there's this one hotel near where I used to live, and they have a live webcam, and I could never stay at this hotel because it's, like, ridiculously expensive. And in fact, if you've ever seen the movie Cocoon, they tape part of the movie. They, they film part of the movie Cocoon at this big pink hotel. I don't know if you guys remember, the, remember seeing that in Cocoon. It's right. It's like it's like 20 minutes from where I used to live. And it was right on the beach, right off of St. Petersburg Beach, right on the Gulf Coast. Big pink called the Don Cesar. And you can go online, type in like doncesar.com, and there's a live webcam, and you can look out to the Gulf of Mexico and see the waves coming. And it's like, oh, so my wife's like, Aaron, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just, ah, oh, I can, ah. Oh. If they ever develop smell-o-vision, I'm there, man. I'm just telling you. If you can, you can download it, you go, whoo, I'm just there. You know, th- th- that, that sense of smell it can be strong. You know, we, we, we don't realize that in our lives we might be giving off a f- fragrance. And probably we feel something like what Thomas is about to show you one way or the other. Will you show those for us, Thomas? Some of you, even as I say we leave off a fragrance, some of you went, ooh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Some of you are like, it's okay, I took a shower this morning. You're like, yeah, I'm confident, dry and secure. Others of you are like, I don't think, I don't know. You know, yeah. But you know what, as a, as, a, as a Christian, we live off a fragrance. As a follower of Christ, or not a follower of Christ, there's a certain aroma, there's a certain thing that our life gives off. There's a certain thing that, that emanates from us. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. and He talks about what our life looks like. Kind of set the stage here. Paul, leading up to 2 Corinthians, you can turn there if you'd like with me. That'd be all right. If you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to because that Bible is supposed to be something you can use. It's not, a, it's not like some icon that sits on your coffee table and takes up dust and, and just is really nice to look at and makes you look really holy. It's supposed to be a weapon. You need to learn how to use it. And it, it will get you through life. It is the ultimate truth of the universe. It is the only truth, really, of the universe. Every truth that's necessary for living is found here. And so you need to have a Bible that you can use. If you have a Bible you can't use, you can't write in, you can't, go get a glass box, put that Bible in it, put it up on a shelf somewhere, and then run to Praises or some other Christian bookstore, go online, buy one you can write in, you can feel like you can use and learn something from, okay? That's just being a 
a, a good follower of Christ, letting this thing saturate your very being. Anyhow, that's just a free, I don't know where that came from. In 2 in, in, in Corinthians, Paul's chronicling a very difficult time that he and his, his compadres, their traveling, have gone through. And he's talking to them about that and, and just some very difficult issues were going on. And he starts off in verse 14 talking about those things. And he starts off as he goes, in spite of all those difficulties, in spite of all those problems, in spite of everything life has thrown at us, he goes, thank God. But thank God, he says, because in that, he has made us his captives, and he continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. To kind of give you an idea of what Paul's talking about here, do you have the other thing, Thomas? Are you ready for that? There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something to give you a, a, probably a recent historical thing that would, uh, you, could, you could kind of envision what Paul exactly is talking about. What Paul is talking about is a triumphal procession. Imagine World War II, the ticker tape parades. The guys have come home. It's kind of ironic. I was supposed to teach this. I was going to preach this message last week, and then God interrupted everything last week, and services went kind of, and it was awesome. You should have been here. If you weren't, I'm sorry. You missed out. Anyhow, and, um, and, I was to, and then it's Memorial Day weekend, and we're thinking about those kinds of things. And what Paul was talking about is the Roman armies coming home. Having done their conquest, having the, the analogy he's giving them here is something all of them were very familiar with. The Roman armies would come home after they'd won battles, won wars, won things, and they would come home in a triumphal procession. The general or the leader or Caesar or somebody would be out in front coming through town. As they would come through town, they'd have behind them the soldiers and the troops who were the victors. And along with that procession, they would have uh, the, the, the captives, those, the spoils. They'd have all the trinkets and trash that they'd picked up along the way. And the physical beings, the people who were taken captive. And along in that procession, as an honor to their gods, they would burn incense. And, would, and there would be a certain smell that would come down the streets as they're traveling through. And the people are cheering and things are going on. Not unlike our ticker tape parades after World War II. And you know what's really crazy to me? We used to think those guys were heroes. And I, I like Googled like ticker tape parade. Tried to YouTube, find some video footage. Oh, it just, I, I'm a big sports guy. Do not get me wrong when I'm saying. But every victorious ticker tape parade video I could possibly find, with the exception of one, was like, the New York Yankees win, and then, you know, the New York Giants, and everybody's excited because these sports guys have played on a sporting field, and they pack the streets and have a ticker tape parade because those guys have done something great. And I can't remember the last time I saw like a real ticker tape parade where some real hero had done something great. Not that sports, you know, again, I like, I, I, I like sports. I enjoy that. I'm going to talk about that later because I, well, anyway, I'll get back to because it it's stuck. Anyhow, um, and here Paul's talking about that. And he goes on to say, let's, let's read here together. He said, now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Then Paul ends with a question. And who is adequate for such a task as this? This Roman procession, those incense would be burning. Before Caesar, it would be the smell of Great joy because his men had done the task given to them. He would smell the smell of that incense burning and it would be one of the most amazing things in his nostrils. To the guys who were his soldiers, it was the smell of life because they were still alive after the battle. It was the smell of victory. It was the smell of, of, of things gone right and good life. There was another group of people in that procession who were the captives, who had been, the, who'd been the, the ones who'd been on the other side of the equation. On the, the thrill of victory, they were on the agony of defeat side of the equation. 
And to them, the very same smell of that incense. To Caesar, it was a, it was a, it was a, a beautiful smell. To the, to, the, to, the, to the victors, the soldiers, and the people of the, of the city, it was an amazing smell because they were victorious. But to these other people, it was the smell of death. And the reason it was the smell of death, because that parade would eventually take them to the arena. Down the street. And waiting on them inside the arena would be jeering crowds and wild beasts. Burning stakes and gladiators. And so the same smell that was life and hope to Caesar and to the other people of the town, to these, it was the smell of death. It was the smell of doom. It was the smell of, of tragedy. It was the smell of defeat. The Bible says here, we are Christ's captives. Today, as we think about the sacrifice of others, today, as we think about the sacrifice of people who laid down their lives, we can't help but think about the sacrifice of Christ. At least I can. John 15 rings in my ears. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And in that love, Jesus captivated me. In that love, Jesus captivated you. In that love, or some of you, I don't know, all of you, maybe, hopefully all of you, maybe not. And if it's not, we can make that, we can change that today. We are the captives of Christ. And today that aroma encircles us. Today that, that smell, that fragrance encapsulates us. You think about the person of Christ, it brings joy and hope and peace. It's the smell of victory. It's the smell of, of life. It's the smell of hope. It's the smell of blessing. It's the smell of, of favor upon our lives. It's the, the smell of healing. It's the, the smell of, of, of everything good. And it becomes a part of who we are. Tonight, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we'll join with some other friends of ours at a, at a bonfire. And you know what's going to happen at that bonfire? We will all walk away and we will have a particular smell. We'll be in an environment where something could have attached itself to us. And we've come away smelling like that event, like that thing. There's an event that took place in all of our lives where Jesus the Christ revealed himself to us and we came so close to him, the fire of God, that it should just permeate everything that we are and the smell of him should be in everything that we do, everything that we are. We are captivated by him. It says here that we are the captives of Christ. It goes on to say, that we are the fragrance of Christ to God. That's an amazing statement. Listen, listen to those words. You are the fragrance of God's Son to Him. You smell like His only begotten Son. Right now, as I sit here, I can think of the smells of my children. And each of them have a pretty distinct smell. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Last night, last night, we're at the house. My wife was at the ladies' night out playing games with all the ladies here at the church. How many of y'all were there? Did anybody have a good time? Did anybody enjoy that? Was it a blast? I got a rousing like, yeah! And the husband's like, they were out too late last night. I don't know. My wife got home. It was way after dark. I thought, I don't know when she's ever getting home. In the middle of that, we're sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, my youngest son, Eric, who's yet to be potty trained, comes running by. I go, I put a Samuel. What's that smell? Eric, come here. Oh, but, oh, goodness gracious. Ah, you are a mess. Change the diaper, you know, put a new one on, clean up all that stuff. Fifteen minutes later, my, my, my oldest daughter goes, Dad, Eric stinks. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Pull the diaper open. No way. That's the smell of fatherhood. You know what I mean? No way. And I talked to Rachel later, and she's like, Yo, I didn't take a dirty diaper all day. And that was me. He was saving it all up for me because he knew diapers were taking care of him. I was like, he loves me so much. And that's the smell of fatherhood. You know, one of these days I'll miss that smell because I will have changed my last diaper. Somebody, some guys are like, no, dude, trust me, you're not going to miss that one. Actually, I kind of do. I'll be honest. There was a long time between the birth of our daughters and the birth of our sons, and I thought, I'm never going to change another diaper. And then surprise, cha-ching, 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Six years later. Then I hear grandpa, grandparenthood takes over. And you, you can't wait to change dirty diapers. Then I hear, I don't know. Aaron's like, no, dude, no way. Mm-mm. We're the fragrance of Christ to God. We remind him of his own son. And what this is referring to here is a passage of Scripture in Exodus 29. Exodus 29, Moses is laying down the law, literally. He's saying, listen, there are a certain group of people who will be my priest. The guy who will lead this family, his name is Aaron, and all of his sons after him, which is kind of cool. Aaron's like, dude, yeah, I'm on that. Right. Whew. Anyway, he's not about, but he wasn't talking about me and him, really. I mean, he was kind of, but not like specifically. And, um, and so Aaron, is, they would go through a ceremony, a procedure, where they would set these guys apart to do what God had called them to do. And part of it was, was a, sacrifice, a sacrificial offering. There were things they would do. And the scriptures say in Exodus 29, 16, I believe is the verse I'm going to just refer, 18, I'm going to refer to. This is a burnt offering to the Lord. They would offer a bull and two rams and some bread. They would burn them on the altar. They had to be washed. They had to be brought before the Lord. They had to, these guys who were doing this had to be dressed appropriately. And they would bring them before the Lord. And the burnt offering to the Lord, it says, it is a pleasing aroma, a special gift gift presented to the Lord. Later on in verse 26, it goes on to say, take the breast of Aaron's ordination ram and lift it up in the Lord's presence as a special offering to him, then keep it as your own portion. In Exodus 29, 38, I mean 39, 38, 41, it says, it will be a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. These burnt offerings will be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. There I will meet with you and speak with you. I meet the people of Israel there in the place made holy by my glorious presence. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar. I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel, and I will be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so so I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. He's bringing home to us right now. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, No, Revelation chapter 1. Jesus says that he has called us to be a nation of kings and priests. It's no longer reserved for a specific family and their lineage. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and all who call upon the name of the Lord have a place in the kingdom of service as a, as a priest unto God. And the Bible says that they, God wanted them to give this, give this sacrifice every day. And so as we as people who follow Jesus are brought into that nation of kings and priests, we lift up an offering unto God as we give ourselves to Jesus on a daily basis. The Bible says we give it day and night. It was never to stop. Every day these guys were to offer this to the Lord. We as Christians are to do the same thing. We are to be that offering, that smelling, that sweet aroma. And here's the thing. When we live like that, then the Bible says, Jesus says, or God says in Exodus 29, then I will live among the people. I will speak to them there at the place of that offering. You know what that means? As you walk around living before God, God is making himself known to people around you. He is showing them that he wants to be their God. He is showing them that he is living and he's alive and he's well. A smelling aroma comes up from your life into his nostrils and he says, I'm going to use that to make myself known in the lives of people. How cool is that? And so when it says you are the fragrance of Christ to God, the Bible says Jesus Jesus made a sacrifice once and for all. He was the lamb of God. Scripture says take the breast of of the ordination lamb, give it to God and keep part of it for your portion. Jesus, God gave us himself and then he took some of himself, he he gave himself back to himself because Jesus was God. He came to live among us and then he gave himself back to God and died on a cross. We get to live off of him. How cool is that? He is the lamb of sacrifice, the lamb of God slain before the beginning of the earth. Ah, he is what we live for. There is no other thing, no other gospel, no other way to live but for Christ, knowing he is the way, the truth, and the life. And when he he comes into our life, we are that aroma. Listen, it says here, we are different aromas, different people because of Christ. Paul says, to those who are being saved, we are the smell of life. I referenced the bonfire a little bit ago. You know what's going to happen around that fire tonight? We're going to get to smell the fragrance of Christ around that fire. Because all of us are in the process of walking through salvation. 
And it's the smell of life when brothers and sisters get together and rub shoulders and talk about what God's done and what God's doing and where God's leading. And all of a sudden that smell will saturate and lift up and encourage those who are just depressed and, and frustrated and angry. Things are going to happen around there in the midst of just us being together. An aroma is going to arise and fill the nostrils, not just of God, but of the, the brothers and the sisters and the Lord. There's other people there. The others were the smell of death. Why, are, why is that? Why is that one guy you work with always so angry when you walk in the room? Because that aroma gets in his nostrils. And like those people caught up in that procession head to the Roman, the, the, the Roman arena, in their life they know. They know they're not right. They know things aren't sound. They know that if they pass away today, they don't know what's lying beyond the door. And they know you know. They see the confidence of God, the peace that passes understanding in your life, and all of a sudden it makes them agitated. It's the smell of death and doom going up into their nostrils. The Bible says in Luke 10 that, that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. He said, listen, you're going to go some places and your peace is going to come back to you. When your peace comes back to you, let it go. Don't worry about it. When you find your peace and it rests on a place, hang out with that person of peace. Stay there. Don't spend your tires all the time with those who are angry and frustrated and think you've got to change. If you're living for Christ the way you know you need to, if you're living for Christ and trying to give him all of your heart, you're never going to get right all the time. But if you know you're just trying to be and you can't understand why they're just always angry at you and frustrated and messed up and things like that, you know what's going on? It is that God, there's an aroma being emanated from your life that they can't refuse, and they don't know how to deal with, and they can't figure it out. Just, just go on and keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about them. There will be people who are, who are being called upon, drawn upon by the Holy Spirit at that moment in time, and, and they're ripe for harvest, and God says, your peace is going to rest upon them. He says, camp out there. Let that smell fill their, fill their nose. Let that smell get all around them. Let them be caught up in the wake of the fragrance of Jesus and see what might happen. There was a guy in the Scriptures, an Acts, named Cornelius, he was a person of peace, man. And he wasn't a Christian yet, but he was trying to figure it out. And God sent a guy named Peter into his life. He got cut up with the fragrance of God. You know what happened? His entire house came to know Christ. Woo! Wouldn't you like to see that happen? We are emanating a smell whether we realize it or recognize it or not. Find that person of peace. Here's something we have to all come to realize. We are all inadequate without Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about us having a treasure in earthen vessels. We're just weak clay. There's nothing good about us, really. I'm inadequate. You're inadequate. Let me tell you a story. This Monday night, I was playing softball. <laughs> and I'm only playing softball because, number one, I like to play sports. But number two, I'm, I've never been a softball player, never been a baseball player, ever, in my whole life. Played football, played basketball, never played really, never really played baseball or softball. But I just liked the competition. And Drew called me up and said, Aaron, you're going to play softball with us this year? I said, dude, I like to be an alternate or something because, you know, I'm just not that good. I'll come out and play, you know, whatever. So he's like, like last week, he's like, dude, you got to come play Monday night. I'm like, like we're going to have guys missing. Things aren't going to be there. Somebody's out of town. Somebody's got to work. You just got to be there. I'm like, all right, I'll be there. So I, I show up, right? Number one, I, lo I you, know, you know you're not a good softball player when you go leave for the game and you cannot find your glove, that's a problem. Something's messed up right there. And so we go play. We're playing Mount Tabor Church. And me and another brother, who's not here right now but was here earlier, we're out in the same part of the field. Prayerfully, and, and I think Drew thought that's a safe place for them. But it did not take long for Mount Tabor to figure out where the weak part of the defense was. And all of a sudden, we just start getting shelled, man. And I'm out there going, oh, Jesus, please don't let him send another one out here. Oh, please don't. And it's hot, and I am sweating, and my shirt is just soaked, and I'm trying. Ah! And I, I come running on one, and I'm like, oh, and I realize I'm, like, I've misjudged it because I'm getting really old, and I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm not doing things very well anymore. And so I'm coming in, and I, I realize i got my glove here, and the ball's coming like right here. And so if I don't do something, ah, Oh, that hurts. Oh, my hand, when the ball fell to the ground, and I'm just, I am just stinking up the place, man. Probably to our guys, I was the smell of agony. I was the smell of defeat. 
to Mount Tabor, I was the smell of victory, brother. Yeah! They were having a great time. They were laughing and giggling. And here's the thing. I realized how inadequate I was. And sometimes we realize how inadequate we are, and it stops us. So I was praying this morning. I didn't even make a connection. I went back to my office for first service just to kind of refresh and make sure I had my heart and my thoughts, everything were right. And I remember as I was praying, I saw somebody, I'd seen this several months ago. We were praying. I saw somebody reach like their hand towards God or something to, reaching towards something God wanted them to do. And as they were reaching out, they suddenly stopped and took a pause, came back, drove their hand back, and then looked at their hand. And there was just dirt and grime and stuff all over it. And they were constantly being reminded of just how insufficient they were and had guilt about things they had done maybe things they had not done, and it was, a, it was a place where they were being hindered in their, their walk with Jesus. Some of you are here today, and you feel hindered because you just think, I, I can't ever be good enough. I can't get it right. I keep messing up in the same. I, I, you, you, you've done something wrong several months ago, and your enemy won't let you live it down. And every time you reach for God, you, and you're like, oh, and you look at it. And the thing you don't realize, you've already confessed. You said, God, I got this wrong, and God's washed you clean, but the enemy keeps bringing that up before you. And you, when you pull back your hand, you're not seeing what God sees. You see, you see, you're seeing what the enemy wants you to see, and you keep, you're just stuck. Let me, let me make something perfectly clear to all of you. You are inadequate. I am inadequate. As inadequate as I was back on that softball field on Monday night, God is adequate for me. And if I don't quit, he'll make me be what I need to be. He'll help me along the way. One time we were walking across the field, and I was walking out across the, in front of third base, past second, first was over here, and I heard Drew go, does anybody not want to play defense? And part of me went, Dude, you shouldn't really be out here, really, because we're just getting hammered. We're just, and I tried to act like I did not hear him. Because you know what? I thought the only way I'm going to get better and be a, contra- a contributor to this team is to keep at it. And so I just kept walking. I don't hear him. I don't hear him. I don't want to be out here. I really don't want to be out here. Oh, my goodness. And I just kept walking. And I found out later, I talked to another guy who played softball this week. He said, he was sitting on the bench. He's like, he said, I was kind of hoping that Drew wouldn't find me. He's like, I kind of ducking low. Like, I didn't want to get out there either because I knew I'd mess it up just like you were. And he said, I was just trying not to, not to get called upon. That's my point. I'm not, I'm not down on him at all because I don't blame him because if I'd been sitting on the bench and watch what happened, I was like, dude, I'm going to mess it up even worse too. I'm just going to sit right here. But I was already out there in the field. God's calling us, and we are not adequate. We just aren't. We don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. We just don't. Like the Apostle Paul, the guy who saw Jesus face-to-face when he wrote to Damascus, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he says, who is adequate for such a task as this? We're not adequate. We're not capable. How do we overcome that? We realize what Paul realized. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, that he, he, said, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brother, we be intentional about our sacrifice to the Lord. As kings and priests, we realize that, that, that God's got something for us special. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, recognizing you don't have it together, recognizing that your life is never going to measure up anyway, recognizing that God's poured grace and joy. He says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable sacrifice, your reasonable worship unto God. He says this, don't be conformed to the world. Keep, quit thinking the way you, you're naturally used to thinking. Quit thinking what everybody else thinks. And begin to look at your life like the person of Jesus, like you are the fragrance of Christ in the nostrils of God, like you leave a wake of life behind you in the lives of people who are, who are looking for truth, who are looking for Christ, who are looking for God. Realize there are going to be people in your life that you are not going to measure up to, and you're going to leave the smell of stench and death and stuff in their nostrils just because you're living the way Christ lived, wants you to live. Realize you're not ever going to get it right. And you will prove what the will of God is. Romans 12, 2 says, then you'll be able to prove what the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God is. You know what's amazing about that? We think that's some kind of ethereal kind of like that's out there. Like, what, what is the will of God anyway? I don't know. Second, second Peter 3, 9, he, gives us the, he tells us what his will is. His will is this, that none should perish. That no one. His will, his perfect will, dictated in his word, black and white letters, is this. No, he wants no one to perish, but to all to come to repentance. And he says, what I want you to do, I want you to be the fragrance, the aroma of Christ in the life of somebody else. I want you to be the smell of life. I want you to live in that sacrificial area, in that place of living before me in such a way that you're not only beautifully smelling in my nose, you're the smell of life to others, no matter where you go and what you do. Don't get caught up with people who, who think you're the smell of death. 
If you're living the way Christ wants you to live, just let them, let God contend with them the way he needs to. Don't get amped up about that. Don't be sorry. Don't be apologetic to living for Jesus. Don't think it's you're messing something up. You're doing sometimes there's just some places and some some people who who just refuse to give in to Christ, and there's just that clash. At some point in time, they, maybe the road's going to collide at the right place, and they're going to respond to the call of God. I was just talking to Jerry Hughes about one of his sons. At the right point and the right time, the life of his son and the divine will of God collided. Jerry's son, Clint, is living for Jesus. He is the fragrance of Christ in the world. He and his wife, Becky, are serving Jesus well. And maybe at one point in time, Jerry probably thought, that's never going to happen. And in fact, Jerry probably was the fragrance of death and doom uh, in, in Clint's nostrils probably, I would say. Because Jerry would, would toe a tough line with them. And he would, he, would, he would tell them the truth. And he would, he would try and be the light of Christ. But they just want to do their own thing and do... And, what am I asking you to do today? I know we're off the slide. Who cares? Go listen to first service on the net, and you can fill in the blanks later. What am I saying? I'm saying you are inadequate, but Christ isn't in, inadequate. He is sufficient. He living in us can help us do things we can't imagine, reach people that we think can never be reached. If we submit ourselves wholly and completely to him, I've been talking about this thing called the gospel. You're like, dude, I don't even know if I know Jesus. Listen, let me, let me put it to you this way. Jesus, your life, you, you, you do stink. I stink, you stink, she stinks, we stink. We all stink together. Jesus lived a pure and spotless life. He does not stink. But he came to be stink for us. When he became stink for us, it was sufficient for, to God the Father that there was a sufficient sacrifice to bring us close. And now he says, I'll remove your stink. He says, if you're faith, I am faithful and just. If you confess your sin before me, I will forgive you of all your wrongdoing, all the things your life, you think your life is messed about, and I will cleanse you. I'll give you a shower. I'll remove the stench. I'll remove it all from you as far as the east is from the west. And he says this, come to me. And not only will I take care of you in this life, I give you the hope of glory, the hope of heaven, the idea that eternity matters and that you matter in it. I want you there with me. Ha. And today he extends that shower to remove the stench of your life from you. That's as simple as it can be. We all stink. What is that smell? It's you. And it's me without Christ. What else am I saying? We as Christians have to be aware of what we're leaving around us. And the way we leave the right smell as followers of Christ is we lay our life before God every day. We come as a living sacrifice. We become intentional about the, the kind of fragrance we're leaving. We try and do our very best. We're right all the time. Absolutely not. We're not. We're just not. But God's grace is with us. And his power supersedes our weakness and his abilities. He will grow us up into what he wants us to be and help us do what we need to do. We will be better employees. We will be better parents. We will be better spouses. We will be better uh, brothers and sisters. We will be better children. We will be better everything if we just lay our lives before him and allow him to saturate our lives and allow his fragrance to supersede the fragrance we naturally emit. That's what I'm saying. So what is that smell? Preferably, it's Christ. Preferably, it's the aroma of Christ coming up as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Stand up with me if you would. I don't know where we're at. If you're standing here today, we talked about the idea. I opened with this, that, that, that video thing with people going, I'm confident, I'm dry, I'm secure. Remember that? What I want to do today. This is Memorial Day weekend. What do you think about the sacrifices of people? Think about the surrendering of a life for the good of someone else, for a cause greater than your own self. Today, I want you to think about your life and the aroma, the smell that comes from it. Maybe you're not confident. Maybe you're not dry and secure, spiritually speaking, right now. But maybe on the inside of you right now is this desire to be that. Well, how do I get that right? You say, Aaron. You say, no, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron would say, God, here I am. And right now, I don't care what smell I'm, lift, I'm, I'm giving off. I've preached two services now. Trust me, it's not too pleasant. And I've worshipped my guts out and I've sweated. But you know what? That's not, that, that, that smell right now to God is an awesome smell. 
That smell to God right now is something fragrant and beautiful to Him. Right now where you sit, this is a place of surrender. Those captives came down and they were in a place where they, they had surrendered. We are captives of Christ. The thing is, we keep taking our life back. We give it to Him, then we take it back. And we give it to Him, take it back. Today, you to, if you're just like you, maybe you don't know Christ at all, today's a place of surrender. I want you where, where are you stand to go. Jesus, I'm right here. If you are a Christian, what I want you to do is like God. I'm not I'm not confident, secure in myself, but I am confident, secure in you. And I want more of you, and I want the smell of you to emanate, emanate from my life. And so, right here, right now, I lay myself down, fresh and new, before you. Saturate me in your presence and the aroma of your life right now. And listen. This is a place of, 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 of a beautiful thing to the, to the Father in heaven. Right now where you stand, if you want your life to be better smelling, spiritually speaking, than it is right now, reach your hands up toward your Father and just right now where you stand, begin to live, begin to, to, to consecrate yourself fresh and new and say, God, here are my weaknesses, here are my shortcomings, here is my sin, here is this junk, here my hands are dirty, Lord, I've seen, I've reached out and I pulled it back, I've reached out and pulled it back, and now today I'm just reaching up and I'm asking you to shower me in the goodness of your presence, in the goodness of your sacrifice. God, I want to be made whole, I want to be made clean, I want to be, God, that aroma of life, God, in the nostrils of those who are being saved. I want to be, God, the aroma aroma of Christ in the nostrils of God. I want to be the aroma even of death, those who, who are not willing to submit themselves to you. God, I want to be that. Lord Jesus, you see these hands as we stand here today. God, I'm not asking for anything anything like huge to happen, but God, I am at the same time. God, at a place of sacrifice, it's a place you consume, God, the altar. You consume the sacrifice. Holy Spirit of God, come into every life with their hands outstretched. God, this is not, this is not just a, a place of, of we're doing a religious exercise. God, this is a place where we say, God, Lord, we're laying ourselves before you. And as it was in the Old Testament, come down today and consume the sacrifice with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Come down today, Jesus, and consume us from the inside out. God, cause the aroma and the smell of our lives to come up before you. Jesus, for those who are making a commitment to you right now, in the first place, God, maybe never knowing you before, I pray that, God, you would meet them here and you remove the stench of their sin from their own lives. You remove the stench of shortcomings. You remove the stench, God, of depression and discouragement and death. God, and you replace it with the fragrance of life and of hope and of joy and of peace, God. For those who've been walking with you, God, and they're just tired and wore out, and God, they're just realizing that even to throw themselves up on the altar is a task. I pray that today, Jesus, God, you would meet them. You would lighten their load. You would be their burden bearer. And God, you would consume all that they are, all that they hope to be, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, your grace and your power would find them today, God, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, come upon us, Jesus. We submit ourselves to you. Lord God, in this place right now, sing with Patrick as a prayer. I believe Jesus will meet you here. And right before he left for Africa, he texted me and said, oh, I, I wish I could be there to help you with the kids because they were just being wild the first day that he left. And I texted him back and I just said, you know what? My God is big and I will rely on him while you're gone and it'll be okay. And when I texted that, I did not realize how much I relied on Aaron instead of my God. And it wasn't but two or three days later, I got two phone calls within the within the days of each other of women that needed help, needed the Lord's help. And it would have been so easy for me to say, but Aaron's not here. I can't. He, I, I, I want to ask him what questions or if they asked me questions, I wanted to go to him and say, what should I tell him? And I, God took that away from me for, for two or three weeks. 
And I did not realize how much I had relied on him instead of relying on the Lord. When Aaron was gone, God did something in me that built confidence. And because I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I won't wait on him to come back to take care of this. I will let you use me. I have a friend that's been coming to church on Sunday morning, first service, because I was obedient and I let the Lord use me. So please rely on the Lord and nothing else, not your abilities, not somebody else's abilities. Put your, put your trust in him because he, he can use you if you allow him. Thank you, Jesus. Father, build that in us. Lord Jesus, let us trust in you only. I want to read something to you that I didn't read. I found this this week. Talking about the person of Christ. When we talk about Alexander the Great, Charles the Great, and Napoleon the Great, but we do not say Jesus the Great. You know why? He's not the Great. He's the only. He's the only. There is nobody like him. He has no rival and he has no successor. He is only. And in your life, if he is only the thing you rely on, if he is only the thing that you run to, if he is only the sustenance of your life, he will build in you a sacrifice before the Lord that is great in the nostril of his dad and his life to those around you. He is the only. You are inadequate, but he is adequate. You are weak, but he is strong. You are powerless, he is powerful. You are not loving, he is loving. You are not truthful, he is truthful. Everything that we lack, he is. Father, as we, we're going to sing this song, I'm going to let you go. Give up your life one more time as a sacrifice before you leave here. Determine that today, whatever Memorial Day picnic you're going to, it's not going to be just a normal Memorial Day picnic. When you go back to work this week, it's not going to be a normal day. It's not going to be just a normal everyday life. It's going to be a life laid down, a fragrant offering before God. It's going to be something that makes it. So, so that when we get to January, July 25th and we're out there in the park, all of a sudden there's this smell emanating from Kingston Park that nobody, I hope that it, it flows down the street supernaturally. Everybody goes, what's that smell? Because the fragrance of the people of God gathered together doing the work of God would be amazing and powerful. Let's sing this song as a prayer and then we'll dismiss that way. I surrender. Everybody. Giving you my heart. Yes, Lord. And all that is within. I lay it all down. For the sake of you, my King.
like a potpourri pot, God, everywhere that we go. And let it emanate from us, God, as a sweet-smelling fragrance before your Father. Let it be, God, to those around us, the smell of life and of hope and of strength, God. God, let us take it seriously. Let us walk with you, Jesus. God, follow us in this, in this place where we leave, God. Be with us. Be all around us, God. And let everything that goes on around our lives be encapsulated by the person of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. God, we lay our lives before you God, we don't take them back up as we walk out. We leave them on the altar and live differently, a resurrected new life, Jesus, before you. God, go with us. Take us where you want us to go, where we trust you and we honor you. We are confident in you, Jesus. Great are you.